It's time again for your Portland Morning Brew. Casual conversations with business, city, and community leaders and influencers. Get to know your neighbors. News, views, and events all centered around our community. Now, here's your host, Troy Holden. And welcome back to Portland's Morning Brew, our Chamber of Commerce podcast locally here in Portland, Tennessee. want to welcome those listeners who may be uh, chiming in off another podcast I do called The Voice Over Life or The VO Life. have been inviting those people and have noticed uh, some, some clicks and things coming in from, from out there. So thank you guys for joining us and learning about our little town uh, here in Portland, Tennessee. With us today is Mr. Bob Moon. Bob, uh, I have been told, carries the title of the mayor of Main Street. Uh, So uh, Bob has been in Portland for a while. And unfortunately, in my time here, I I know his face looks familiar to me. I may have run across him somewhere, maybe during the time that I was singing a lot of gospel music six, seven years ago uh, in different churches around. Could have been during that time, but Bob, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you. Thank you very much, Troy. It's good to, uh, of course, we have the privilege of seeing each other because of the format we're using, but right. our our listeners don't get to see these two handsome faces. That's right. I hate that for them. They're really missing out on something. We we <laughs> talked about uh, we talked about possibly doing the video recordings and posting them on YouTube, but we just never really decided or had any more conversation about it. But uh, yeah, I told her this this face was definitely made for radio and podcasting, so <laughs> I'll stick with that. Bob, uh, I understand that you had, uh, uh, from what little information I had gotten uh, about you, uh, I do know you're a current chaplain for the police department here. And uh, That's correct. Tell me a little bit about your history in Portland and some of the things that you've done here. Well, that's big, uh, or not big. I mean, um, I came to Portland in 2013. Uh, to join uh, Greg McCoy on staff at First Baptist Portland. And um, so I was uh, served in that position for seven years. And during that time, um, just fell in love with Portland. Portland's a wonderful small town feel with um, just just tons of activities. I mean, we have a great chamber of commerce, uh, super uh, 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 city council that's very active. And our church was very active uh, in ministering through and to the community. And uh, so, uh, you know, you know, my involvement has been a little bit with the radio station in Portland WQKR. Uh, presently, uh, I co-host a radio show every Friday morning from 7 to 8. Me and the mayor and the police chief and one of the county commissioners, all four of us banter for an hour. Uh, we're, well, that's still going on. But um, other than that, I just want to be an encouragement in the community. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I miss Greg. He was such a uh, a great guy. Um, I, I know I went up several times and talked with him and I had, uh, uh, I had a pickup truck at the time and helped move some refrigerators around and tried to 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 be have some involvement with him and uh I like I said I had sang up there a couple of times even during the uh I know one year or a couple of years during the strawberry festival they would have a, a singing during the week of the strawberry festival one of the weeknights but I don't know if much of that goes on anymore COVID really really made a difference in gospel singing I don't know if I know the churches had to back off of it and, and a lot of things were backed off but it, I, it just didn't seem to make the comeback uh, that I hoped it would, but 
I'm, I'm old fashioned with that stuff. I miss it. I, I, just miss <laughs> that. I miss that being a big part of services and Sunday afternoons. Um, so tell me a little more about what you do as chaplain with the police department and, and, uh, some of the, some of those activities. Well, it's a, it's a privilege. Uh, it's a service to them. I uh, don't have any law enforcement background. So my connection with that was uh, building a friendship through basketball through with uh, one of the detectives, uh, uh, Jason Williams, back a few years ago, his daughter played in a, well, we had upward basketball going on in the gym and I was a coach and he was a coach and his team always beat my team because his daughter was great. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, we built a friendship there and, uh, as things would happen, he became the police chief. And one of the first things he, uh, did when he became to the police chief was he said, uh, I really would like us to have a chaplain. So we talked about that and, and considered what it would look like. And so I came on, I guess it's been about two years ago that I came on as the chaplain, it's a completely volunteer position. Um, uh, there's no. Uh, no pay involved, uh, and and they allow me the freedom to visit any, anywhere I, I would like to go. So I get to have a pass to the police department, and and I kind of walk in the back door and and try to speak to the sergeants and lieutenants that are uh, on shift, and of course the support staff as well, and and talk to the officers. I I. Uh, have permission to ride with the officers. I have a, uh, I purchased my own, uh, vest, bulletproof vest to, uh, ride along just in case things got weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, nor- normally if they have a ride along, uh, if something happens, you know, something happens, mm-hmm. then, uh, they will, uh, take the ride either that, that officer will not respond to that, uh, potentially dangerous activity, or he would take his ride along somewhere and dump them you know, and then right. go to the call, whether it be right. the station or Hardee's or whatever. Um, but, uh, I have the privilege to stay in the car because I'm, I'm considered part of the, uh, part of the police force, even though I'm, I'm volunteer. So, uh, it's, it's very, very interesting, very enlightening to see police work from the police side. Mm-hmm. I, I never, ever understood. I mean, I didn't sit around and ponder it, but there's so terribly much that goes on behind the scenes uh, in in law enforcement work and there's a high turnover in law enforcement there's high divorce rate in law enforcement there's um it, it's an easy place to burn out mm-hmm. so my role as a chaplain is is uh not a, not as an evangelist if you will i'm not there to convert the men uh, and women i'm just simply there to be a listening ear uh, a spiritual counsel if they ask for it um, and I have built a, a really strong relationship with several police officers and a, and a good casual relationship with most of the police officers. Mm-hmm. They, I, I think they res- respect my role. Sometimes I think they treat me like a, um, a mascot, you know, oh, here comes <laughs> Kaplan, you know, uh, but, but they, they're wonderful, wonderful people. They, they deal with issues that, that most of us never, ever, ever have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of us don't see body parts strewn in the road. You know what I mean? 
Right. Uh, right. Most of us don't deal with absolutely out of control, belligerent do- domestic situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we're supp- and of course, they're supposed to respond perfectly, flawlessly and uh, all this. So uh, that's a very, 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 very stressful position. So if I can uh, help and encourage a little bit by being available to them, then then it's a privilege for me. That's awesome. That is that's uh, uh, a very a very interesting look at that, and and talking about what they see and what they go through. We have a, a touch of that here at home. My wife is the CT technician at the local Portland ER. And oh, really? So she, yeah. So she sees a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of things that she, you know she can't come home and freely talk about it, but she can come home and say this type of situation happened and it amazes me sometimes and they occasionally of course you know have have the officers bringing somebody in and they have to stay there at the er for an extended period of time to these people are quote unquote under control or whatever's going on and it's everything from just you know someone that was just out walking the streets or someone that had possibly drug overdosed or this had happened that had happened and it's you're right that i can't imagine all the things i deal with but yeah my wife's been out there a long time probably uh 18 years but she recently last year switched over to working at night on the weekends so uh (laughs) yeah so she really does see the law she really does get to see it and then uh she did that so we could both be at home all during the week uh because I, i do what i do here at the house so um that's worked out wonderfully but the stories have definitely increased uh since she's done that you know, you mentioned, a, you mentioned an aspect of, of the law enforcement that most people don't realize. Um, the average guy, and I have to admit, I've kind of been that way too. With law enforcement, when a car drives by me really fast on 109 or 52 or something, I think, where's a cop, right? I mean, sure. this guy sure just we went do. by me at 70 miles an hour. Where's a cop, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, most people don't realize that Portland is a very, very big uh, geographical area. And most of the time there's only five or six officers on duty. And Mm -hmm. if it happens to be at a a unique time, like seven or eight in the morning or two or three or four in the afternoon, these officers are prioritizing school zones. Uh, if they get a call, uh, our officers, if they actually have to arrest somebody, they either have to take that person, they have to drive all the way to Gallatin or all the way to Springfield, depending on where they arrested them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that you're talking about taking up time now, six goes to five. Well, what if another one does it? Well, five goes to four. And what if they have to take somebody, that fourth guy has to take somebody to the hospital. And like you just said, they have to stay there with them. Mm-hmm. Well, that could be four hours, mm-hmm. you know? So when you, not everything is a traffic ticket, uh, or right. a, here comes a tree or a line falling across the road. That takes a long time. So officers uh, can't be everywhere at one time. Uh, And that's one of those community things that kind of eats at them. Uh, People go, well, you know, where were you when people were driving 40 in my 35 mile an hour zone in front of my house? Well, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I could have been pulling drugs out of somebody's car or pulling some man off of some wife he's beaten up, or I could have been transporting a prisoner or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so. That, there's a whole element to law enforcement 
that people don't realize. And by and large, I hope we believe that uh, the average policeman is a uh, police woman, police person is a quality person. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. making decisions uh, out of their training. They're highly trained, uh, making decisions out of their training. Now, they even require training from me. I have to annually certify with a with an international uh, conference of police chaplains, ICPC. Mm-hmm. So uh, they 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 believe in training and and they want to keep everybody, even their chaplains, sharp. So mm-hmm. it, it's a really really big. A uh, big, big responsibility, and I think we need to be a little slower to criticize those folks. I agree. I agree. I had uh, I had Jason on a while back. Um, really, really enjoyed talking to him and hearing his visions and the changes uh, and, and and the things that they're doing. You know, he's, he's taking a lot of forward thinking from even larger cities and trying to incorporate some things here. And I think that's fantastic because as we as we grow here and as things change and, and, uh, you know, I don't see us becoming another white house. We may, when this new road comes through, we don't know how much impact that could have on people wanting to move to the area, but, um, yeah. And being a small town and, and the expectations of operating like a larger town, you know, a lot of people have that expectation, nothing but respect for anybody that is in this type of public service, whether it's this, the fire department, uh, anything that goes on, uh, anyone that's out there dealing with the public in general, even like what my wife does, all our healthcare people, all of us only know what we see when we make a visit and uh, what goes on the other 23 hours, you know, there's a lot, there's really a lot. Um, you talked a little bit about um, uh, when you had mentioned being at First Baptist. Now, are you currently, uh, and, and maybe I missed it, hopefully I didn't, are you currently pastoring anywhere else other than what you're doing with the police department? I serve a church in Nolansville, okay. and uh, I, I commute uh, about four to five days a week to Nolansville. I'm the pastor for discipleship at a Baptist church down south. It's south. Uh, Brentwood, kind of north Nolansville, right on the okay. right on the Brentwood Nolansville line. Okay. So I get the privilege of driving uh, on that wonderful pothole collecting uh, speed demon interstate. Right, right. Uh, almost every day. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I used to live down in Rutherford County and went over that way a lot. I remember we used to pass uh, Tom T. Hall's house. I think <laughs> over in that area. I remember that as a kid. And seeing that a lot, it was, it was used to be beautiful country over in there. And then back the other way, going over to Eagleville, Tennessee and all over in there, it's, it's some pretty country, a lot of family history down there for me, Chapel Hill and Eagleville and all of that. Um, so that being a little bit of a different role uh, there in Nolansville. So how large of a, uh, how large of a church is that? It's a very small congregation. We'll have around 125 on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it t- took a major blow with COVID. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it took a substantial hit. Uh, we lost, uh, not only, uh, some people that decided they just weren't going to come back to church anymore, but we also lost uh, a staff member, uh, during that time. And, um, it's, it's really been a rebuild. And that's, that was one of the exciting things to me about, uh, about going was that uh, I'm I'm uh, 65, so I'm kind of at the top end of the scale 
and they wanted uh, the pastor wanted me to come and help them recover and help mm-hmm. them rebuild. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, you know, that's kind of exciting sounding. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and, and I felt like I had done as much as I could do at First Baptist and First Baptist Portland's a great church, a powerful church, been very influential in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in good hands today and uh, they're without a senior pastor, but uh, the, soon they will, I'm sure they'll have a senior pastor and they will uh, ramp up and run on as they have been doing for I don't know, 130 years. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't feel like I, uh, I left or deserted. I just kind of changed gears. And I get the, I had the privilege of both worlds. I get to serve a, an up-and-coming congregation in Nolensville, and I get to live in Portland. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's right. great. That is, that is fantastic. So the role that you serve there, uh, you are helping others become I'm not sure how I want to word word this. Let me think for one second. Now, if I'm if I'm over that part of the church, so I am helping teach and train others to lead others in some way, or tell me how that works. Well, we have we have small groups. You know, mm-hmm. uh, people call them a lot of things. Historically, we called it Sunday school, uh, and and obviously today, people uh, churches have morphed that into a lot of different things, not just Sunday morning before church like we used to do historically. So my, my primary responsibility is to help develop the leadership and the structure and the, the function and focus of our small group ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, from the, you know, from the cradle to the, to the grave, if you will, uh, all age groups, we, I try to train the, tr- the leaders and try to help them train new leaders Mm-hmm. I also mm-hmm. have uh, admin- kind of some leadership admin- uh, role over the uh, uh, committees and teams and, and those things. The pastor, uh, we have a wonderful, wonderful preaching pastor, and, and his strength is the pulpit. And uh, so I try to come alongside and be that uh, Aaron to the Moses, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. My, my, I think my calling in, in the church for almost 50 years has been uh, that second chair, mm-hmm. you know, let me, uh, pastor, where do you want to go? How can I help you get there? Right. And, right. and uh, so that, that's kind of what I do. I hate to pigeon what I do into a little bitty box because it never has been in a little bitty box. It's always right. kind of been, Oh, you need somebody to do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you want me to, I'll do it. You know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and obviously in a, in a, a small church, they don't have a lot of staff. We only have two, uh, full-time staff. Uh, we, uh, we have some music staff and, uh, and clerical staff, but as far as pastoral staff, we only have two. So, uh, you know, I, I try to make it possible for him to put 90% of his energy into preaching mm-hmm. and uh, help with, uh, other things that, that will not distract him from, from his incredibly powerful work. He's, he is a, uh, a cross between uh, Adrian Rogers and Billy Graham. Wow. And, and both of those guys are uh, what he would call his preaching idols. Mm-hmm. And it's really clear that he reads their devotionals and he has studied their, their books. And he, he is, uh, uh, he only goes verse by verse, uh, you know, so uh, we go all the way through a book of the Bible, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, two different books. And, um, 
It, it's powerful. I, we have we have guests every week. Every single week, we'll have new guests. And um, almost exclusively, they'll say, it's hard to find a church where the pastor preaches this hard and preaches just the verse. You know, mm-hmm. what does the scripture say? Let's talk about that today. Right. And, uh, and, and he right. doesn't skip over the passages that, that we don't understand or make us uncomfortable. You know, right. If, he's, right. if he starts in Acts 1, he goes all the way through. That's and, awesome. uh, and sometimes he'll say, uh, this passage was hard, you know, mm-hmm. but let's walk mm-hmm. through it together. And mm-hmm. that's, that's always refreshing to hear that candor. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's awesome. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with, with saying I'm pigeonholed to a second chair. You know, that I was one of those guys in my, my career. Um, I, I did have one opportunity where I was a quote unquote operations manager or plant manager, but I always liked being the, the guy behind him. I always like being that support person because it, uh, you know, a jack of all trades. I could work in logistics. I could work in uh, inventory control. I could help in sales and marketing. Wherever you need me, show me where we're weak, and I'll go in and help lead that team, and we'll get them going to support you. And there, you know, that happens <clears throat> in the secular world. It happens everywhere. And um, shoot, there's nothing wrong with that spot. I always liked it. So, and I can tell you've enjoyed it as well. Um, Portland being uh, Portland, and we've got a lot of changes coming up where there, um, you know, there's a new bypass possibly coming through. How do we hang on to this this small town of Portland and keep it the way it is? I, I think we're in the right direction. We have, um, if you can imagine, I can't imagine because when I moved here in 2013, 18 wheelers were an issue. And in 2000. 23 18 wheelers are a huge issue mm-hmm. but if you imagine portland 109 primarily uh being almost void of 18 wheelers man mm-hmm. that would be unbelievable and right. and that is the primary goal for this uh, bypass thing mm-hmm. is to um, free up that traffic that's coming from i-40 up to i-65 you know the cutoff to, right. to keep people from having to go through nashville to go north um, so when that piece of traffic uh, moves over, uh, I, I think we will continue to be uh, to be growing. And uh, uh, what do you want to call us? We're we're growing into sort of a destination place. Mm-hmm. In other words, people will come here to do something, and then go and then you know go to Nashville, or they come to Nashville and then they pop out to Portland to. Uh, eat at five chefs. Um, uh, we're going to see a huge boom, I think, with the opening of the Temple Theater. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's going to be a lot of programming in regard to that uh, that's going to draw um, people back to downtown. There's been a there's been an undercurrent of leadership um, that have emphasized they want to bring people, want to bring local people, community people, back to downtown. One of my, uh, you know, uh, Rodney McDowell, one of our local uh, heroes, he's a, an artist. And one of his, uh, one of my favorite paintings of his is a painting of an event that used to take place in Portland every weekend. They, to draw the community, I would, I, I think this was like in the 60s, to draw the community to, into downtown, to shop downtown. 
they would have a drawing. And so everywhere you went, you could get the little ticket or coupon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you would put it in this great big homemade wire basket that a guy sitting up on the back of a pickup truck would turn the big basket, you know, and then they have a drawing and they would draw for like 50 bucks. Uh, it was a substantial drawing back in the day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and people came to town. And so he, he's uh, painted a picture depicting that scene. And I look at that and I go to me, that is the picture of Portland community all coming together, hanging out together on Main Street. And so Portland has done a, a, a really great job, I think, uh, pulling us back to downtown. We've got uh, multiple restaurants on Main Street, on the old Main Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our Main Street in Portland, Tennessee, you might want to look left and right before you cross the street, or you might not, because mm-hmm. there's uh, it's a quaint, quiet little community with beautiful lights strung across the top and and people come out all the time and take pictures right in the middle of the street and the police don't block it off or anything. They just, you know, it's just, it's kind of there. And we've got the, uh, um, Southern, um, uh, entertainment center. Um, uh, that we've just got so much stuff going to pull people into Portland to hang out and enjoy the community. The right. strawberry, the strawberry crate, that's right there at the end of main street. And it's on, uh, 109. Uh, that's a destination place. It's, it's amazing, but people drive, uh, they'll drive from another community to come have their picture made sitting on those strawberries. It's, mm-hmm. it's a destination. So when you come, what do you do? Do you buy gasoline? You eat a meal, uh, pretty soon you'll be able to watch a show at the temple theater. So we're becoming a destination spot and it's still small town. Right. It's it's still right. a community where people know your name. I mean, you if you go into one of our restaurants, one of our uh, homegrown restaurants, whether it be Five Chefs or Top of the Ridge or Milo's or the list goes on and on. Matter of fact, my friends and I on the radio show the other day, we counted over 35 places to eat in Portland. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> now that includes yeah. food trucks and, sure. and Mapco, you know, sure. <laughs> but right. any place where you could get some food that's been prepared. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. counted over 35. And so if you can't find something to eat in Portland, you must not be hungry. You know, <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's right. So we're, I think Portland is doing a really, really good job of trying to keep us uh, progressively moving. I mean, we have, there's a uh, public internet downtown Portland. I don't know if people know that or not, but you can hook into Wi-Fi walking around downtown Portland. I mean, there it's progressive like that, but it's also uh, uh, a wholesome place. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think uh, I, I'm drinking out of a cup right here. The, the mayor has a slogan for the city and it's called be kind. Be kind is a slogan at, at his council seat. Uh, which looks out over the uh, the people that would be uh, visiting the council meetings and to his left and right are the council members. But behind his name tag, name plate, which faces forward, the one that faces him says, be kind. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so wonderful that we have leadership that have as a mantra, and how can I be kind? You know, right. Uh, right. That, that's refreshing. And that's small town. That's right. That's small that's town. Right. So I think makes we it are small town. E- even if we get a few more people 
that come in. Uh, I'm kind of like the rest of the old Southern folks. I don't mind people coming in from California and New York City, and I don't mind that as long as they want to become like we are and they don't want us to become like where they left, you know? Right. That's exactly (laughs) right. Yeah. And I believe they're all coming here for that because they're wanting to escape uh, of, of what they're having to live with where they are. So that's good. Bob, I won't keep you much longer. I sure appreciate your time and your insight into all of this. Um, thank you so much for your service, both at, at the uh, the level of pastoral with the churches, with uh, the things you've done at First Baptist, with what you're doing now in Nolansville, with what you're doing for our police department, for being a just a friend to Portland. That's just a, a wonderful thing to have come here uh, later. As And I've done the same, come, came here later in life uh, through industrial uh, work and through the automotive industry. And uh, now I get to just be at home and do these type things. And it's it's been a wonderful place uh, to raise my kids. And I've really enjoyed being here and look forward to spending the rest of my time here. It's a wonderful place. But thank you so much for your time and all you're doing for Portland. My pleasure. Have a great rest of the week, and we want to invite everybody to come back and listen to us every week right here on Portland's Morning Brew. Thanks again, Bob. Yes, sir. Thank you. This was the Portland Morning Brew with Troy Holden. If you'd like to be a guest, reach out to the Portland Chamber of Commerce. We'd love to have you on the podcast. Be sure and visit the Chamber's Facebook page for more information. Thanks for listening, and join us again soon.